Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever you're listening to this. This is Norman with another recording of Not Half Bad. Uh, last week we tried one, didn't work, my fault. This week, Dave and I are going to bring you the hottest takes on St. John's and Rutgers basketball. Yes. Hi, I'm Dave from OnTheBanks.com. We call him um, Bernie Knuckles. Don't call me Bernie Knuckles. <laughs> can I can I um break the the fourth wall for a second? Okay. Before we, anytime we're about to report a, uh, record a podcast, Norman does a five count after we've chatted a little bit, to so he knows when to edit to start. And each time we do this, I try to count to five in my head, and Norman either counts really fast or really slow depending on the week. <laughs> you know that's intentional. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm like, am I supposed to start? I don't know. <laughs> Just to keep you on your toes. That's right. So uh, it's Saturday, April sixteenth, and this is not half bad. We've, we're back and we're sillier than ever. <laughs> oh gosh! So it's been um, kind of a busy uh, end of the season, off season for for us. It has. I mean, yeah. I think uh, you know St. John's has had uh, you know some small amount, not really drama, but you know just the the general flux of a team working its way back into uh, you know some kind of regular working working the program back. And Rutgers has had adventures. Yes, major turnover. Thank goodness. So thank goodness. Today <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about the off season changes for both teams. Uh, a quick recap of uh, the very bad seasons, which is partly why, part of why we, we weren't around much this season, because if everything was fully bad. Yeah, and, there was no not half. Yeah, and we, you know, we're we're probably going to bring up a number of themes that we're going to come back to later this off season, but you know, we're just going to you know throw everything out there, and uh, you you guys tell us what you want to hear and what you want to uh, what questions you have about each program. Yeah, um, nobody's got any questions for us right now. But um, so, 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 where do we want to start? Well, I think we should, you know, do a quick look at what each team did this season. So, for example, St. John's was eight and twenty-four in Chris Mullins' first season, one of the worst major conference teams in uh, in the nation. Uh, thankfully, there was Boston College and Rutgers around to, yeah. you know, make things a little bit better. Uh, St. John's had. One conference win, uh, that lovely home win against DePaul. They lost uh, 11 of their last 12 after beating Syracuse. Ha, ha, ha. That final four team. Um, that was out of nowhere. That was crazy. Uh, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I think I do think. Well, well, we'll talk about it later. But I do think that that's one of the really positive signs from the season. Not just because it happened, but because well, we'll talk about it right now. Because as well. That Syracuse win was a triumph of scouting and scheme. You know, they found guys into open spaces. They knew just what to do with the zone and didn't freak out like some of Steve Laddin's teams did. Some other teams tend to. Um, you know, it seemed like for Chris Mullen and staff, it was like, all right, you just have to execute. And they executed. And nobody died. That's a yeah, terrible that's, joke. That's but, a terrible, but, terrible yeah, you might want to edit that out. No, 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 I'm leaving it in there. I'm, I'm letting everybody know that you just said that. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's a win over Syracuse, and there's a win over Rutgers, and the win over DePaul, and everything else is just sort of like, ooh, and a win over Wagner early on. 
Um, it wasn't a good season. I think, uh, you know, playing a lot of freshmen, I think there's, um, you know, the, they were the team with the most, um, with the fewest returning minutes from the year before in the nation. And it showed, um, playing the freshmen, even having the seniors, it just wasn't enough to really, you know, get an efficient outcome on either end of the ball. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you guys had enough depth. I think, uh, lo- losing Lovette, Lovette? Mm-hmm. Did I say his name is was was a problem. It it really forced um oh man, I'm gonna have to Mussini. call up your roster. Mussini, thank yeah, you. It forced Mussini uh, to to handle the ball and he's on play too many just, minutes. Yeah. I mean he was really worn down at the end. His performance really dipped uh later in the season. But on top of it is that he was playing a role that you know, there's a hope that he could he could have played it or he could play it in the future, but you know, it was a reminder that, you know, he A wasn't ready and B might not ever be ready. And that's that's okay. You know, there are roles for him to play, but that's not his skill set, you know, being quick and getting the team into an offense. So, you know, such is life. So, yeah, yeah and with with only the one point guard, there is no time to really take him off the floor or, you know, get your get your head right, get your head, head refreshed. Right, give know. him a chance to watch. Yeah. Sometimes that helps with freshmen. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I'll, when, when we're talking about uh, the, the player reviews, I will probably bring up the example of Belgian import Thomas Akuzili, who played for Colorado. Steve Lavin was recruiting him, too, uh, for a while. Um, he was another, you know, another freshman who came over. And Akuzili played, I think, maybe 17% of Colorado's minutes. And when he was on the court, he looked, you know, I don't know. I mean, he didn't look great. He didn't look bad. But he didn't have to play, what was it, like 60, 70% of the minutes, 73% of the team's minutes, you know? Right. And that's crazy because Mussini, even coming in, shouldn't have been really in that position. There, were, there was room for a lot of guys to play, you know, 50, 60% of the minutes, you know, uh, to, to be able to shuttle in and out of the lineup so that they could play fast and do their thing. And Mussini, because he was the closest thing they had to a point guard, had to play, and it was rough. Right, right. Is he considered a point guard going forward, or was he playing that out of necessity? Not really. I mean, I think the idea is that he's a point guard size. He's like six foot and 155, 160. So, you know, in the pros, even in Europe, I think that's kind of a point guard. But mm-hmm. I think it's generally understood that while he does have some slick handles and a good sense of passing, he's not naturally a point guard. He's a shooter. He's, you know, he dreams of being Steph Curry. I don't know. There's a uh, there's a you know there's a role for him there, and I think that he's not that far off in that in the the general concept of Steph Curry. Actually, okay. I don't think he's as effective. Steph Curry is otherworldly. That, that this is true, but there's a certain sense of like a, a kind of package and a kind of quick shooter um, that Steph Curry is, and I think that's what I think of when I think of a guy is like got a little Steph Curry in him. You know? Yeah. Hmm. Anyhow, so that's that. A um, bunch of guys are leaving. Uh, Duran Johnson, F- Felix Balamu, and um, Ron Mavoika are seniors who left. Um, there are two transfers, Amar Alabegovic and Christian Jones, which we'll talk about uh, the impact of them leaving. And then St. John's has um, at least five newcomers in um, the freshman Richard Freudenberg and uh, don't call him Schadenfreud. Schadenfreudenberg. <laughs> I made that joke uh, last week and I, I thought know. it was perfect timing. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm bringing him back. Um, and uh, Freudenberg and, uh, and and Shamari Pons, who played in last night's Jordan Brand Classic game, scoring 17 points. Um, and Tariq John- Owens will be at uh, Yes, and, and then the Johnnies had um, the freshman who sat out, Marcus Labette, who should be 
uh, a scoring point guard who can at least get into the lane, if not be uh, a great and effective passer. And then uh, Tariq Owens, who will be a sophomore yes, next year after sitting out from uh, transferring from Tennessee. The Johnnies also have Bashir Ahmed, who is a uh, JUCO wing from Hutchinson Community College, originally from the Bronx. Should be some combination of scorer and rebounder. Um, I think he has a little A.J. English in him, who played at Iona, but that's just me. Rutgers was after him hard, too, for a while there. Um, but, but you know, as, as with all eyes. things, Rutgers, yeah. last, the, during the last uh, regime, <laughs> it went south. Yep. <sighs> So, so. <laughs> Rutgers. So, Rutgers. Um, last year was a, a complete, complete, complete disaster. Um, they won seven games. They went seven and 25. They, they, they lost, lost to St. John's. They lost to St. John's after leading by, I think, 16 yes, in they, the they, second they, half. They didn't even, they didn't just lose. They got, like, they just fell apart. Fell apart, as they did, often did. Um, they <laughs> lost a... Uh, program record 17 in a row. Um, they lost, they had the worst, suffered the worst and second worst home losses in history with a 50 point loss to Purdue and a 34 point loss to Nebraska. I sat through both of those. Um, they played a triple overtime thriller with Illinois where freshman Corey Sanders hit a ridiculous uh, three point shot to send it into the uh, second overtime, I believe. And, uh, yeah, it was just other than watching Corey Sanders, who was an impressive, impressive freshman, and even he was suspended a total, grand total of five games and was benched a couple times, um, there was not much, uh, not much there at all. Yep. So um, uh, it was a tough season, and uh, Eddie Jordan got fired, uh, rightfully so in my opinion. Um, he'd been there three years. He's a classy guy, but he was just not a college coach. Um, couldn't coach defense or refused to coach defense and never had enough talent to outscore the other team. So uh, here he is. The new coach is uh, Stony Brook, former Stony Brook coach Steve Peichel. And so far he's off to a really good start. Um, he landed the top remaining player in New Jersey in uh, Matt Bullock, who's a Roselle Catholic um, kind of a, a swing player between guard and wing. He's 6'4". He's kind of bulky. Um, uh, a lot of programs apparently backed off because he doesn't really have a position. But um, for Pykele, who's trying to fill out the roster and clearly trying to make you know, some New Jersey connections, um, it's a really smart uh, get. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes you just need a guy who just plays and wants to play and is intelligent about playing, even if he doesn't have a position. I mean, yeah. with Paul Harris, who played for Syracuse, you know, that guy was like, I mean, granted, he was a high-end recruit because he was so good at things, but he was like a 6'4 power forward. It was like, a, what do you do with that? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of that. He can rebound, he can dunk, but he can also shoot the three. Um, and everybody just says he's a winner. Uh, I'm hoping he's kind of a, oh, no, I forget his name. Mike, uh, Mike Gansey. Okay. Type, you know, just does it all. Too he doesn't much Gansy. Fit, fit the build, but I, I really loved watching Mike Gansy play, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at West Virginia after he left St. Bonaventure. Um, so there's that, and he's really putting together, Pike Cole's putting together a great staff, uh, especially for Rutgers. He hired um, his former associate head coach at Stony Brook, Jay Young, to be his third assistant after Stony Brook decided to go in a different direction, hiring coach. And uh, he has brought in Carl Hobbs from UConn, 
to be his associate head coach. And it looks like, according to just about everybody, uh, Brandon Knight out of Pittsburgh is going to be named the second assistant very soon. Probably, uh, I guess, early next week, maybe. So that's a really good staff. Um, he lost Justin, Justin Good transferred. Not a real um, high major player, unfortunately. And uh, DJ Foreman is transferred so far. And Corey Sanders has decided to test the waters for the NBA. But um, What year is DJ Foreman? He was a sophomore. Oh, okay. So I think uh, Iona, Cincinnati, and Creighton were interested in him, and then a bunch of low majors, it said. So that's a start. I mean, I, you don't know what to ex, um, expect for year one uh, from Peichel, but you hope they'll defend. Um, it's almost one of those years where they might win or lose the same amount of games, win and lose the same amount of games as last year, but if you're losing them by eight instead of by 25 <laughs> – you're happy. <laughs> that is progress. You know I mean? And um, you know what? Honestly, at seven wins, you know, major conference team with seven wins with anybody coming back, yeah. you know what? You can do better than that. I don't. I don't know about the one conference win, but and, you know, the thing is, the, the Rutgers schedule was okay. It wasn't that good, but <laughs> I mean, it had you know okay teams on it. It also had Rutgers Newark, but I mean, it's like. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's interesting because I think the schedule might have just been a little hard. Like, there are easier schedules to have, you know. Well, I mean, and they were hurt. They lost three their three best uh, their three best interior players for most of the season. Um, Deshaun Freeman was supposed to be their big, huge offensive power forward pickup, and he looked good early in the season, but he hurt hurt his knee, and. Uh, wasn't able to come back. So the offense was, was tough there. You know, they lost a lot of offense and I'm sure had, uh, all three players been healthy, they wouldn't have gotten blown out night in and night out, but it still wasn't a good roster. Um, but if Pykele has a healthy roster and is able to fill it out, maybe with some graduate transfers, um, because if he doesn't, if he recruits all freshmen, uh, to fill out the roster, he won't have any 2017 scholarships barring transfer. Okay. So, yeah, so I, I, it's going to be hard not to do better, <laughs> but I'm not expecting miracles. You know, you just want some excitement back next year and, and you know, see that things might be moving in the right direction. Yeah, and, and the the point you make about the 2017 scholarships is uh, is a good one because I think for any program, you know, people think – yeah, there's always the nattering nabobs uh, out there who, who <laughs> look – like Stan Lee there making that up. Yep. It was totally a Stan Leeism. Um, but there are always people who, who will say, oh, you know, why didn't Mullen get Chick Diallo? Why didn't he get blah, blah, blah? And it's like, that's not really how this works. You know, you need a year or two to recruit a good player. And honestly, for a, uh, an emerging program, one of the things that you can leverage is, you know, your first year excitement. You know, that first summer you get out there, you tell them the good story, and – you bring in a bunch of guys. That's what Lavin did to bring in uh, his great class with D'Angelo Harrison and originally Jakar Sampson and Mir Garrett, who both were not eligible that year, and Sir Don Pointer and Phil Green and all that. You know, it's like he, you know, started making cracks about the Noah's Ark, you know, two of everything. He didn't quite get there. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, that first year you have a lot to leverage. You know, you have a story and you have it's going to be different and all of that. So, yeah. you know, for Steve Peichel, Steve Peichel? Yeah, Peichel. 
Pikel. I can never, I can never pronounce. It. I was oh. I never knew if it was Pikel or Pikel. I was saying Pikiel for a long time, so it's Pikel, like Michael. Yeah. Steve Pikiel. Steve Pikiel. For Steve Pikel, um, I think. Um, What's I going to say? Um, yeah, I just think that it's important for him to hold a few ships in one way or another, whether he gets grad transfers or not. I think it's going to be hard for him to get the really good grad transfers. Maybe oh, yeah. maybe he just needs roster filler. You know, a couple of guys you're like, oh, oh. He needs, he needs a center. They have a JUCO um, center on campus today um, for an official visit, a 6'9 kid. I forget his name. Candido Sa. Okay. Uh, he's uh, looks like looking at his stats, a really good defensive player, like led Juco in blocks and uh, had really good. I think he uh, averaged seven rebounds a game. Um, Don't they have so, enough centers? Don't they have Ibrahim Diallo and, uh, and there another Shaq dude? Dorson? Yeah, Shaq Dorson. But they lost DJ Foreman. I don't know. Maybe this guy's a forward. I don't know. He's six nine. Um, they on, they only have Freeman at power forward, so they're they're real thin inside. Mm-hmm. Well, there's always Jonathan Laurent, right? Laurent, yeah, play, I guess he can play center. I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> he had I'm to, kidding. you know. Um, they look like because they're keeping shoes on staff. Did you, did I mention that? No, I, I think you might have, but yeah, it's good to mention. Yeah, Greg keep, shoes patron will be kept I love, on staff. I'm a huge shoes fan. He won't be in a recruiting position. Everybody um, loves shoes. Everybody who goes outside. Oh, that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's like my execute joke. You know that was that was actually the worst, man. I. <laughs> This is not half bad, but the jokes are fully bad. Thank fully you bad. for listening. Yes. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, you know, that's to keep Corey from transferring, to keep Laurent from transferring. Uh, I think they're keeping shoes on. And he has those connections. He can't, assuming Brandon Knight does join the staff, uh, shoes won't be able to be out recruiting, but I'm sure he'll be some sort of, like, director of recruiting role or, you know. Yeah, I mean, he still ha- he still has the contacts. He just can't. Yeah. I don't so- know. So let me ask you, because I keep asking you in text, and I, I don't feel like I've gotten your full answer. You know, looking at Rutgers' history and, and everything with Mike Rice and Fred Hill, and what do you think of this staff? Um, what do, what's your gut feeling on Peichel and now, af- assuming Knight comes on board, what do you think of the staff? I think this seems like maybe the best staff that Rutgers has had in my memory. Yeah. I think, I think, and again, this is one of those on paper kind of things where, you know, there are a lot of guys who don't have a huge name, but really make things happen. Um, you know, the kind of guys who aren't necessarily self-promoting, you know? So Mm -hmm. like, okay, for example, um, Iona has Jared Grasso and Tim Clewis, right? Right. And the thing with both of those guys is that, uh, in the last, you know, five or 10 years, I think they've both, they've both reached out to the right media people and have gotten a good story told about them. And I think they're good coaches. They're effective at what they do. But, you know, those are people who are interested in their profile as well. Right, right. And, you know, they're always guys who aren't necessarily. Um, I think Brandon Knight, actually, it seems like a lot of the love for uh, for Brandon Knight is isn't like self-promotion. It's that, you know, he's done a good job, but he's also at that alum of Pitt. Um Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think Carl Hobbs to me seems like the very perfect kind of coach because he comes from the same kind of system that Pykel comes from. You know, they're both uh, former UConn guys. 
Uh, and they coached together at UConn, right, under Calhoun? At, at UConn, and then he, when Hobbs was head coach at GW, Pykele was his assistant. Oh, okay. So that's, yeah, so these are, mm-hmm. that's, I didn't even know that. So these are two oh, guys. Oh, I've done my research. <laughs> so these are, these are two guys who've worked together with each other, and, you know, I, I don't, I mean, Hobbs has been out of the head coaching game for, what, like five years? Has it been since he was, well, uh, like, uh, at George Washington? Yeah, he's been an assistant at UConn uh for that during that time. Yeah. So, you know, maybe this is a guy who, you know, he had his like what 10 year run or whatever and he mm-hmm. did his thing. And, you know, now he can sit back and be like, all right, let me observe and tell you how, how this should roll and tell you um, what I'm seeing. Um, and he has the wisdom of having done it for a bunch of years, knowing how to run a program and also knowing how to run different aspects of our program. So he can fill in when, uh, when Steve can't. Right. Um, and then, uh, who's the other assistant? Why am I forgetting? Uh, oh, Jay Young. Jay Young. And Jay Young is known to be a, an excellent rising star. I mean, as much as coaching matters in college basketball, I think this seems like it might be a really good staff. I mean, yeah. again, I think, you know, we were talking about this before the podcast, but I mean, I think there's some worry that, you know, Steve Peichel has generally been the kind of guy who recruits guys who are probably a little better than his competition in the America East, and that's how he's won. You know, there's nothing particularly impressive, nothing scheme-wise that makes you go, damn, these dudes are are balling. Offensively. Offensively. Offensively, yeah, Yeah, sorry, offensively. Um, There's nothing that makes you say, you know, this is, like, really sharp stuff. His teams aren't drawing a lot of fouls. They're not necessarily shooting a lot of threes. You know, he rides his dog. You know, he was riding Jameel Warney. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a real worry. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is a staff that can get them up to speed. And hopefully, you know, these guys also know how to recruit. So hopefully this is also a staff that knows how to recruit and develop the right kind of guys. Because that's the other thing that Peichel has done, is that he recruits and and, and retains. And, He's a developer. And, and develops a certain, yeah. you know, certain guys. I, th- I think in terms of our podcast, this is an interesting um, staff to compare with um, St. John's, actually, because I think St. John's really went out and got, you know, Slice, and they got Matt um, Abdelmasi, uh, who are, you know, known as, as high-quality, sorry, big-time recruiters. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, and then they have Greg St. John, who's their, you know, kind of play-by-play X's and O's guy, whereas it feels like, Rutgers didn't go out and get any big time, you know, recruiting sharks, but they got guys who have done it and guys who are good coaches and developers. So while I think Chris Mullen's going to kind of go after the big fish a little bit more and get him in, in Shamori Ponds, um, I think Rutgers is going to kind of fill it out and try to land like, kind of like Miles, uh, the Miles Mack class. Like, yeah, these kids are top 75, top 150 players. Um, but they're not one and done, that sort of thing, and then really try and develop them, and then year three or four, maybe then try and get that last piece, that over the top piece. You know what I mean? Does that yeah. make sense? What I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. It's a, I mean, that's a tough way to go. Yeah, you know, and you you do need a, uh, you know, some balls to bounce your way, and you need enough victories to uh, attract players. And you know, this right. is probably not the best analogy, but that's kind of what. Norm Roberts at St. John's ended up doing like he would, he brought in maybe like one or two top 100 guys mm-hmm. and uh, but I had a lot of guys who ended up being under the radar you know whether by choice or by not 
I also think he wasn't necessarily great, uh, fully great at de- developing. But he yeah. had guys who played defense, played hard, but he could never get that piece that would make it all come together, you know? That right, said, right. he had guys who played so hard that, you know, given, you know, a year with a new coach, you know, a number of them found pro opportunities. You know, Justin Burrell is rolling in, in Japan, and he always had the talent. DJ mm-hmm. Kennedy was like a, you know, top 150 guy, and I think he's a, he's a good fringe NBA player. You know, I think he's playing in Turkey now, but that guy could actually play in the NBA as like a, you know, mid-bench sort of player. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things that can work, but for St. John's, it just didn't. They couldn't break out of that bottom four okay. hardly at all. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. The early recruiting, um, what Peichel's focused on, like some news really broke overnight between uh, the, the Juco player we just mentioned, and it looks like they're trying to get um, the twins from NC State on campus, this Caleb and Cody Martin. Oh! He's trying to land those two. Uh so uh, yeah, Zach said that they're expected to visit. So that would uh, be that would be baller. I think that would be very good. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, the first the whole like having to you know get a like a package deal is sort of like ugh, whatever. But mm-hmm. you know these guys are are what top one hundred, top fifty players. Were they top fifty? They were. They were top. They were um, very high. They're four stars. Okay, so they're, they're, they're four star wings. And it's weird to have two of them, but, you know, they play pretty well, and they played a lot of minutes last year for NC State. Actually, why yeah. are they transferring them? Um, you know, uh, they played like... It's a, it, it says, uh, apparently he's over. he may have recruited over them. Really? Okay. Yeah. But they're going to be junior, and whatever. Okay. Um, you know, you know, you had a, one guy who's playing like 30 minutes per game, one who's playing like 25. I, I mean, you know, they can hit from the outside a little bit. They can, you know, they can defend. They can defend a little bit. You know, they can rebound a little bit. I mean, these guys are talent at the very least. You know, that's worth a pretty solid look. So that's pretty cool. That's that. That is pretty cool. So I think ideally, um, how uh, Paykel is kind of envisioning this, at least the way I'm guessing, is maybe uh, try to keep Bullock, Brian Bullock, and try to keep uh, uh, Issa Thiem. Who's uh, uh, Canarius Island uh, commit committed Daddy Jordan with shoes? Try to keep him around. He's a wing and a shooter, mm-hmm. and then maybe uh, either bring this JUCO in or bring in like two grad transfers, and then these two transfers, and that kind of leaves you with that two scholarship leeway um, going into 2017. Um, and then he can probably, you know, somebody can transfer out, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. I think that's the way he's trying to build the team. Um, you know, make next year better, defend, rebound, and then kind of try and have a, a team with two freshmen coming in. I mean, who knows? Corey Sanders, I think, is planning on leaving next year to go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think that's his plan. I think when he, uh, in his video where he announced he was coming to Rutgers, he said he was a two and done. <laughs> so, um, uh, I don't think he plans on being around much after next year. Uh, so there'll be scholarships, but um, I think it would be really cool to have these two kids uh, sitting out a year and kind of developing under Peichel and pushing, uh, you know, the players that are already on the team in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, can, if he can land them. I mean, Cal is involved. Providence yeah, is just, involved. Yeah, I don't know. This, I just feel like this is – it just seems kind of weird that they'd be transferring, you know. But, I, again, you know, I don't follow the ACC, so I can't really speak to – 
what's going on there, whether they were, you know, overmatched anyway. It doesn't seem like they were, but, you know, maybe they, there was just the idea that Maverick Rowan was going to get a lot more time or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, who knows? Such but, is life. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's interesting the way they're trying to build this team and, and, and uh, uh, see what they can get. Um you know, recruiting news is really starting to leak out today. They were watching players versus uh, Lightning today. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who, who's St. John's been watching. Anybody? Uh, probably Those? the New York Wrens and uh, and the Lightning. Uh, they've been chasing Jordan Tucker pretty heavily. Um, let me try and remember who it was because we yeah we'd made a list actually earlier this week. Um, mm-hmm. Myself and one of our writers, Carmine, um, just you know, going through and seeing who St. John's has been, has been, uh, still actively chasing, but, you know, you find out new things that at these, uh, these tournaments you get to see, which, you know, if there's a coach who's just generally stalking somebody, then you have a sense, but yeah, on the New York Rens, um, Jordan Tucker's probably the, the, the big one. He's a wing, uh, 2017 wing that they've mm-hmm. been after for a while. He's come to visit a few times. I feel like he's, I don't know. You kind of get the feeling he's not that serious or looking for a better offer or looking for better offers. Uh, and I think he has a few, but still, it was uh, kind of interesting. You know, he has offers from, I think, uh, Maryland, Syracuse, and UConn. Um, St. John's will also be looking at Hamadou Diallo, who is like a top 10, top 15 wing. Um, probably, honestly, a little out of reach, but, you know, let's see what they can do, especially with Slice. And then Jose Alvarado is another six foot guard. He's talented, but the team doesn't need another six foot guard. It's, mm-hmm. There's only so many of them you can play at a time, you know. Right, right. I mean, they already I mean, they are already probably going to at some point put out a weird, you know, six foot tall wing triumvirate of Mussini, Pons, and uh, and uh, and and Levette. And you know, I think that's fine. It can be fine defensively, but you lose a little bit of length. And honestly, really, come on. <laughs> That's just not a thing you should do. Yeah. Well, well, you mentioned um, something interesting, and I think we talked about it when we tried to record last week. Um, Three-point defense for both Eddie Jordan's squad and Chris Mullen's squad was not good. Um, Jordan's wasn't good for three years, whereas we, we don't know with Mullen whether this was just him being undermanned or if, if it was his philosophy. Um, what are some of your thoughts on that? Well, you know, the, the Rutgers thing is just, was just sort of weird. And you know, I feel like no coach ever goes out and says, just don't defend. But you can defend, de-emphasize defense uh, on the perimeter. Or you can, um, you know, you can just assume that guys know what they're, they're doing and not care enough to, you know, really drill them on, on what they're doing. And there are different, I mean, ways, there are different ways of going about it. You know, what you were going to say? One of the things Jordan um, did was he always doubled down in the post. And, uh, you know, college teams are so three-point uh, offense built that the, they left the, the weak side uh, guy open on, at the, on the arc. And the, these teams found him and light him, lit him up. I mean, he gave up – Michigan State made 19 threes in a game against Rutgers. Made. Not attempted. Made. Um you know, and, and Michigan un- lit them up several times. And, and year one, two, and three, he never adjusted to a three-point shot. So it definitely seemed like it was some part of his philosophy was to to really give the centers on the other team a hard time. Um, so he never adjusted to the college game. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. is that an NBA mentality? Are you going to see that from Mullen? Yeah, or? I don't know. I mean, because I think, you know, we, I think that that's a similar problem that St. John's had where, and I, you know, part of that is them being undermanned. I think the, the, the players they had inside were, you know, Christian Jones, who's a little undersized, but also was more playing on the perimeter. They played Yankuba Sima in the post. I think occasionally Amar Alabegovich would get caught down there, but he's just a bad defender. Um, <laughs> well, he'll fit right in at Iona, though. Well, and we'll talk about that, too. But, I mean, he's, <laughs> he didn't, anyway, but, you know, he doesn't have great feet. He's got a lot of energy, but maybe too much energy. He'll just, you know, he just ends up hacking guys. And, uh, and he never really pro- provided a great defensive presence. Um, right. But, whew, you know, stuck with uh, Sima and Kasun Yakwe, who's six foot seven and like two fifteen or whatever. Uh, you know, those are two guys who weren't strong enough to really hold their own in the post if they were ever bodied up, if they were ever posted. So in that case, you know, St. John started sending guys inside, and they did it in two different ways. Sometimes they sent true double teams, and sometimes they just basically had the guard shading inside and trying to like poke at the action in there, trying to to make those passes hard. But, you know, when you have guys taking a step inside, that means the ones on the outside are a little more free or a little more free to move, a little more free to drive. You know, you mm-hmm. catch the ball and the guy's a step behind you or a step uh, away from you and he's trying to catch up. You know, that person has to move up while you're driving at them. And that's just either a foul or, you know, somebody just whiffing on actually playing defense. So I think that was a huge problem for St. John's because they were pretty easy to unlock. You know, you got the ball inside, you moved the ball around a little bit, you drove inside, you got them to collapse. And then, oh, look, there's two guys open on the perimeter. You know, you toss it into the corner, hit that three. Or you toss it into the corner to the next guy, hit that three. And... I don't know. Never. I mean, I'd li- I'd like to think that uh, that next year's team will play things differently, or maybe you know Mullen's idea is that they'll just force enough pressure and steals that you won't be able to make those passes in the post as easily. You won't be able to make those passes on the perimeter as easily. Um, right. When they were when they were good, I think they actually did an okay job of using length to disrupt passes from the top of the key out to the wing. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's enough. I don't know. I, you know, you you grow up with, um, you know, with the Knicks in New York, and honestly, with St. John's as a, you know, in the the late '90s, you expect man to man defense. You expect, you know, defense that makes you go, "Oh God, just give me a moment to breathe," you know. And that's, right, right, right. You know, that's that that feels like New York style, but it doesn't have to be. You know, it's, you know, it is or it isn't. You know, if you get something that works, it works, but. You know, you do need to actually have defenders be able to control the action of the ball. You know, you need guys who can force uh, the main ball handler to do something that he or he doesn't want to do. You have to find guys who can get out and bother a three-point shooter so that they're not shooting in rhythm, just waiting for a shot or taking a step into a shot, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, I I think um, depth might help that, especially with the guards. Yeah, um, and not having Mussini <laughs> out yeah, there yeah, all yeah. the time, honestly. I mean, Mussini and Ron Mavoyka and... Um, Duran Johnson. Well, let's just say Mussini and Ron Mavoyka were just just generally 
they their defense needed work. It, it's really the and Malik Ellison actually. Um, they all need better anticipation and better quicker footwork. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes that doesn't come along. You just learn how to live with it. You know, or guys learn how to live with it and defend well enough. You know, you work hard and you anticipate and you just try to take something away from the other player. Don't let them drive on you or, you know, let them drive, but, you know, kind of shove them into a certain area and then like, you know, let the sh- your shot blockers do their thing. That's what yeah. St. John's used to do under, under Lavin. Um, and it takes a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of preparation and an ability to not foul. Um, but then you have guys like Felix Balamu and Duran Johnson who were inconsistent and sometimes trying too hard. So I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly what this looks like. I'd like to think that Lavette Pons and Bashir Ahmed will provide just by dint of better athleticism will provide some better defense. Right, right. Um, so, so with Rutgers, do you feel like there's an upside defensively, or yeah, uh, well, yeah, I think um, I think they have players in Mike Williams and and Corey Sanders and Nigel Johnson uh, guard wise, and some length at center with Shaq Dorson and Ibrahim Diallo. Where if they're coached well um, and coached defensively, uh, I think there is some upside to to kind of grinding things out a little bit. I think when you watched Rutgers, it was very much a roll-the-balls-out um, kind of game. where play lose, play open. Play let open. Shoot. Yeah. yeah, let them shoot, that sort of thing. And I think with more discipline, assuming these kids buy in, um, you're going to see a much different, much better team. Um, they're not going to beat everybody, but they'll, they'll beat somebody. I think it'll be interesting watching... Well, okay, so... What I was about to say was, I think it's going to be interesting watching a team that was built to play fast and fast break, possibly play a lot slower. And then I thought about it, and I was like, was that team built for anything? I mean, right. it's hard to say. Like, Rutgers couldn't execute anything because you're like, I, you don't have the talent enough to fast break. You don't have the mm-hmm. talent enough to stop somebody. Yeah. And you don't really have a post. So I don't really understand what it was, what, what it was supposed to look like, you know? And, you know, I think about that in terms of St. John's, where, you know, this is a team that I think they want to be, you know, an attacking, fast-breaking team, and that's all well and good, but I think last year's squad didn't have enough, I mean, both enough defense, but also not enough talent all around to really execute. So you didn't have a guard who could get you a quick early shot. So maybe with a guard who can get you quick early shots, the offense looks a lot different. I also think that, and I think I said this to you last week, I think that even for freshmen, the number of open shots, and freshmen and, and newcomers, the number of open shots missing was amazing. Missed was amazing. I mean, guys would miss just blatantly open threes from the corner. Guys mm. blew layups all the time. Malik Ellison and Federico Mussini, at least in the first half of the year, they're, I mean, like open layups. They got good shots. They got yeah. looks at the rim. They went in and there, and they were barely touched, and they would blow the shot. Wow. So, you know, maybe there's a much better offense, easily able to be uh, to, to, to be conjured by St. John's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Um, I think St. John's is more a talent, you know, rebuilding issue. <laughs> uh, and I think you're going to see a step forward next year as they have more depth, as they have, you know, all their players – um, but if they're not willing to defend or he has an NBA style mentality for defense, it's not going to get as good as, uh, 
as I think uh, St. John's fans expect it to. Yeah. Um, you know, that doesn't mean you won't be an NCAA team, but it, I think uh, the expectation when you, you hired Slice and you hired Abdel Messi and, you know, just bringing in Chris Mullen as Final Four, you know, and and I don't think that uh, they can get that far playing that kind of defense. No, I mean, it has to be a lot better. I mean, even Mike Bray, who, you know, obviously coaches offense first and second, you know, his teams mm-hmm. have found ways of being okay defenders. Yeah. But I also think that for St. John's, just having better strength would would be helpful. Because, oh my god, I mean, watching... And I, I hate to harp on Mussini. I think he played hard. And, I like uh, the kid. And, <laughs> yeah, and I actually, you know, I was watching some of the game against Wagner again. And the thing is, like, yes, he has his flaws. Yes, he man, he had some bad defensive stretches there. But then he had a stretch where he just poured in some points. At the end of the first half, he was like, all right, he found these amazing little spaces. And then mm-hmm. his shot is so quick. He's just like, he's just like, doo, 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 poof. And you're like, oh shit, what happened? You know, <laughs> and there's the ball going through the hoop. And he's like, oh, what happened? There's the ball going through the hoop. That guy can be that, you know, he can be effective at, in that role. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there were other games where like Seton Hall in particular, one of the things they did um, when they when Seton Hall played St. John's in both games, they just went at Mussini. And when Isaiah Whitehead and, and Mussini were matched up, it was just gross. I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Whitehead flicked him off like like he was, you know, like you know, some food that fell on his lap. It was like, oh, that's my good yeah. suit, yeah. you know. Well, that's one of the things Peichel said uh, in one of the articles when they talked about hiring. Uh, they hired a new strength and conditioning coach, the Stony Brook. Strength and conditioning coach came over with Pykele and is now taking over every part of the athletic department except for uh, football. football. Yeah, and uh, Pykele said that when he walked in, uh, the conditioning for Rutgers was bad. <laughs> so they're really working on lifting and, and getting stronger in a basketball sense. So that mm-hmm. should help too. Cool. Um, it's it's really going to be a complete program makeover, and it, and it clearly has to be um, at Rutgers. Uh, I don't know that I got that sense when Mullen came into St. John's. I, I from for that for Mullen and St. John's to me it seemed like all right, let's just get players. Um, whereas at Rutgers it feels like we have to change everything. No, I think there's there's definitely a lot of culture change that was desired there too. I think you know there are a couple of reasons that Lavin did not continue. One of them was that for some reason he just didn't recruit you know from two years ago. So basically, mm-hmm. what was left over was nothing. If right. not, if he didn't get new recruits, so this boom and bust thing. But the other thing was that culturally, he did have some kind of marginal players who you know, struggled to actually get to class. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, really, no, really, one guy. I mean, I, I think a number <laughs> of the guys were were pretty upstanding. But then there was, you know, Obekpa and, and Jordan who were petulant and kind of selfish. And yeah. I think for Mullen, he wants unselfish players, and he right. wants players who are willing to sacrifice, and he wants players who are, um, you know, who don't think they're bigger than the team or whatever. And right. uh, I do think that that's a strong cultural change right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the transfers. Uh, we kind of talked about Foreman and Good. Um, there's no real hint at, at where Good is going. It'll, it'll definitely be a step down. Are you sure it's not Good, at- not Good? No, they say good. They say good? Yeah. 
Like, like, oh, it took me a, it's, good it, on me. Oh. Yeah, it, it took me a year, a season to train myself <laughs> to oh, say good. Um, good on the court. Oh. Ew. <laughs> uh, so, so we, those are the two current uh, Rutgers transfers. And St. John's um, has uh, Kristen Jones and uh, Amar Alabegovich. So Jones is a graduate transfer. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he will be a fifth year transfer, so he's immediately available. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what interest he has right now. He has been to um, Iona, we know. And he was supposedly uh, exploring professional opportunities, which would be cool. But I think that he needs another. Uh, it'd be great to see him at, with another year, maybe at a mid-major. I was thinking, you know, somewhere close to home, somewhere like Texas Arlington or something, you know. And because uh, I think he's a he's a solid player, can play pretty hard. But I think he needs to dedicate himself to a role and or you know really get a chance to show what he can do, you know. Hmm. Um. And. Amir? Uh, uh, Amar, you mean? Alabegovich? Alabegovich had uh, gotten a look from Iona and I think was looking at some schools out west. I want to say there was UIC, Boise State maybe. San Francisco? Um, San Francisco. uh, I forget where else. I think San Francisco would be kind of a cool look for him. Nice town. I think he's a a pretty cool, you know, kid it seems like. You know, he's pretty urban. He's, you know, likes to... Um, you know, he's, he seems like a fun, upstanding citizen. And the thing <laughs> is, like, he's got, he's been developing his game a little bit. I don't know how good it's going to get, but he's got a little bit of a dribble drive game that'll surprise you if he can get that three point shot to, to go down a little more consistently. And I'm not, you know, sometimes you talk about guys who are like, oh, inconsistent. And you're like, no, you're just like a 32% shooter. But right, right. I don't know if that's Alabegovich because he has games where he is on fire. And then he has games where he is in the trash. Just, <laughs> it's just like there's no real in between. You know, he 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 plays hard, he works hard, but he just has a lot of games where he's just like not much, you know? Right. But then he plays Villanova and he drops 18 points <coughs> on four of ten outside <laughs> shooting, you know, and he gives you some rebounds and a few assists. It's was like, he was he just not a fit? Is 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 that why he's transferring? I mean, I think he's transferring because he knows that he'll get less time than he would somewhere else with uh, guys like Freudenberg and Ahmed coming in and Owens, and they're probably going to recruit some other forward. Um, okay. That's just the long and short of it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think he seems like, again, you know, a good sort, and he just knows that he would get more time somewhere else. And, you know, quickness-wise... There is a level, there's a bit of like, maybe he's on the wrong level, you know, defensively he's hard to play because he sometimes hacks and sometimes just has bad feet. It feels like the kind of thing that is trainable, but it's been two years and, you know, defensively he's a lot the same and he's a really not good rebounder for his size, you know, six Ah. foot nine and he only grabs like 12% of the, the, the available defensive rebounds. It's like, I don't, I don't even understand, you know? Like, the best thing he does is slap the ball out. Right. Okay. But, you know, again, he has good moments. So right. it's hard to say, you know? Yeah. Uh, any any other thoughts going forward uh, on on St. John's? Or Rutgers. You're allowed to talk about them, too. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I think I, I want to see where the recruiting goes this week. Uh, St. John's is bringing in uh, grad transfer 
um, for for a hopefully for a visit at the end of the month named Anthony Livingston from Arkansas State. Um, he uh-huh. has some interesting stuff in his past, but um, I think seems like a pretty good rebounder, though he um, also tends to drift outside a little bit with his shot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're bringing in this weekend uh, Arizona transfer Justin Simon, who would be a oh, yeah. sophomore when he next plays, but he'll have to sit out next season. They're also bringing in Marvin Clark Jr. from Michigan State, who is a uh, who, who has two more years of eligibility after he sits out this season. I think Marvin Clark, you can at least say that he's you know he's a wing, but he can also rebound, and he has been part of a winning program, and he's got an interesting backstory too. Um, Justin Simon is a really talented, um, guard wing who doesn't quite have a position. He's been, he was branded as a point guard. He's not a point guard, um, in terms of running a team, but he can make passes and he can handle. He's not a shooting guard because his shooting has always been a little suspect and wasn't good last year. He's not necessarily a small forward, but he is an athlete and was a, you know, top 50 player and, you know, maybe on a, on a team that runs like that, that's the perfect kind of player you, you get to play the wing. You know, somebody who does a bunch of things, can make passes, is willing to pass, understands the game, and just plays, you know, even right. if they're not much of a shooter. Yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be, be the fun for uh, both of us this summer. Uh, I mean, there's lots of rumors that Eddie Jordan was very visible on the recruiting trail. Um, not rumors. They're published reports. Uh, Zagoria wrote a big article and, you know, recruiting just along with teaching rebounding and, and defense was just not Eddie's thing. Um, so. And recruiting is uh, the lifeblood in college. I mean, so you, I can, think you, can actually, be, you can be a brilliant coach and honestly, if you don't have the guys, you don't yeah, have the guys. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be fun this year to actually hear about your coaches being on the, on the trail and, and putting in the, the hard work. Um, so, I mean, I literally just tweeted another Zagoria tweet said that uh, Peichel and Jay Young were watching the, the Cardinals, the PSA Cardinals today. Nice. You know, just hearing about them out there, you know, making connections and that sort of thing. They're not going to land everybody. They, they might not land a lot of guys, but um, – it's going to be fun hearing who they get involved in and who they really start targeting. Um, and it, it's just, it seems like with the staff they've hired, with the moves they've made, Rutgers is, and this is something we've talked about for three years, Rutgers actually cares about basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, the Peichel actually said on a radio show right after he was hired that he expects ground to be broken on the basketball practice facility this summer. That would be huge. Um, it just seems like Rutgers is actually serious about competing in sports other than, than college football, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Um, which is nice. I mean, I, I like college football. I like Rutgers football, but um, basketball is, is, is – I just love college basketball and seeing seeing somebody care about it instead of letting it die on the vine is going to be fun for me. <laughs> so, you know, it was – it was getting to a point the last three years that you kind of saw my slow mental breakdown with uh, Rutgers basketball that, uh, you know, had Jordan come back, I, I probably wouldn't have re-upped my tickets. Um, and that's, that, that would be huge. I mean, you've been going for how many years, you know, you've 15 been years, you know, been, like you've been a man willing to take on, to, willing to watch some trash. Yeah. I sat through Fred Hill. I sat through uh, Mike Rice and I sat through Eddie, you know, and uh, I, I sat through Gary Waters, at least Gary Waters, they, 
win at home. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a program that hasn't been to the NCAAs in 25 years. And, you know, just letting it wither and be an embarrassment um, had to end. Especially in a major conference. It's like you can't just, like, opt out. You know, it's not, yeah. you know, it's not the 90s where, right. you know, some of the SEC teams seem to really just opt out. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's very true. Um, just so they could compete in football. Um, all right. So you ha- I don't know if you can find it, but, um, uh, did, we- did you have a question last week? Didn't we have a question? Oh last yeah. Week? No, it was just about the impact of uh, losing Christian Jones and Amar Alabegovich. Uh-huh. And, uh, the thing is, eh, I mean, it'll have some impact. Uh, Christian Jones's size and strength will be missed, but you know, they're going to take shots that, younger, honestly, better players with a brighter future um, could use. And I think that that's important in this developmental year. Hopefully they have wins, but I don't know that those guys move the needle on wins enough to give up um, minutes and shots for, um, for uh, what do you call it, for, um, you know, guys like Freudenberg, you know? Yeah, Schadenfreudenberg. Actually, if he makes his shots, he could be... Shot in Freudenberg. Oh my God! Yes, get well, on that St. John student. So, page. so think on this. So on <laughs> on Twitter, Freudenberg told us that um, apparently he had made a deal or a bet with Chris Mullen that if he can beat Chris Mullen in a shooting contest, uh, uh, in some sort of shooting contest, um, he can wear Chris Mullen's number twenty. Well, is that an improper benefit? No, it's not. It's a number. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? That's the NCAA. You never know. They're listening. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, I just I just landed you with a postseason ban that should have gone to UNC. <laughs> You're like, oh, th- this one was this one's a lot easier to get. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, oh. oh, Bob Lee Swagger misses us. Oh, thanks, Bob. He says she's glad we're back. I'm glad we're back too. Hopefully, I actually recorded this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, any final thoughts? Any anything we haven't covered? No, I mean we're gonna we're gonna get back to it. Um, we're gonna get back to it hopefully sometime soon. And uh, you know, yeah. we're happy that you all are listening. You know, remember send your questions to nothalfbadpod at gmail dot com, and that you can reach us on the Twitter. I'm ecoastbias. And I'm at Dave underscore White. Uh, check us out. And, you know, I write for Rumble in the Garden covering St. John's. He writes for On the Banks on occasion for uh, covering I'm lectures. Ki- I'm kind of the columnist now. Yeah, I write letters every Sunday morning yeah. to the AD. Um, and you know what else can't? You know what? I just don't like the kids these days and the clothes they wear. <laughs> I just, I, I figure Pat Hobbs is a, a meet the press guy. So I, I try to time my articles for when Meet the Press goes on to mess up his uh, his Google alerts. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think we'll uh, we'll probably record as 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 news breaks, good or bad. I think is 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 yeah. kind of what we're thinking, right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, well, yeah, we'll see. You know, maybe I don't know, we'll try to do a bi-weekly or something or every uh, other. Yeah, that's weeks, a good idea. Know. I mean, we'll probably cut, try to keep them a little bit short, but you know, yeah. Also, buy my book, guys, uh, An Empty Hell. Buy his uh, books. My, my, my wife read one of them and said it was really good. Oh, good. Thank you. And also leave Amazon reviews if you've read them already. That really helps. Please do. Help this guy out. <laughs> He's got a number of books out. They're yeah, five. Fun. They're fun. Thank They're you. exciting. I don't have any books out, but read his. 
Uh, all oh, right. take us no, home, Dave. Take us home. I will take you home. This has been, it is April 16th, 2016. Uh, I hope it you is got your about, taxes in. Yeah, it's about six months till, uh, till practice starts. A little less than six months till practice starts. And this oh. is Not Half Bad, the podcast covering Rutgers basketball and St. John's basketball. And we'll be... Uh, Leading you up to the 2016-2017 season where some optimism finally uh, finally awaits both programs. Yeah, boy. See you next time.